0: Okay, guys, last week, and we are talking about the Incarnation, and if you don't know what that is, we are going to unpack that here. Uh, Great theological minds have wrestled with this very question, and since we are not great theological minds, we're going to try our best, but the idea here is this, guys. How is God able to be fully God? How is Jesus right, able to be fully God and fully man? How does the Incarnation reconcile with God's immutability? And so, guys, this is the topic at hand. Really, let's start out by saying a couple truths that we know Scripture teaches us, right? We know in John chapter 1, the Word became flesh. Uh, We know that Jesus is God, and so He is fully God, but yet fully man. Um, So let's talk a little bit about this, guys. How have you been taught, or how have you thought about the Incarnation and this idea of God being Jesus being fully God, and yet fully man. Any thoughts come to your mind when you hear that um, in the life of Jesus?
1: As far as being taught, like thinking about it, I was just taught that that just was, that just is, mm-hmm. and I never really tried to dissect it too much. Yeah. But now, the more I learn, the more I'm like taking in consideration. Okay, what does that mean? And what does that mean for us and what does that look like, you know? So I think about it more, but I'm still not sure.
0: Yeah, like yeah.
2: I, I I'll give you close my close understanding. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you my deep theological
0: rundown. Go. How's your elbow doing by the way? <laughs> that's that's why he was laughing at the beginning because I hit my elbow on the table. It still hurts. My uh
2: deep theological You're fully rundown. man, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Is that he is God and in flesh because he's God, and okay. can do whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Okay, that's what you got. <laughs> yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> <That's> deep. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: that's good though. That that uh, there, there's an answer. Um, I was doing some research online. Here's a good definition of what it means: incarnation of God. And I think it's, it's uh, right on. Uh, Jesus's divine nature is unchanging. So Jesus, in His divine nature, is unchanging. As to His human nature, He is changeable. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. where the idea is, Jesus is unchanging in that He is infinite, ever supreme in every way. But He's also human in nature, and that's changeable, right? So there's weakness, Jesus was able to suffer, He was able to die, mm-hmm. Um so this is why we call him the God the God Man. But there's an interesting passage, guys. I want to take a look at and then talk through in John chapter 17, verse 5. Jesus prays to the Father, and I think he reveals both God, fully God, fully man, in this in this one verse. He says, "Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began." So we'll stop there in John 15:5. Um, you see Jesus both natures there. Um, I'll read it again for those who missed it. Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Mm-hmm. And we see all throughout Scripture, Jesus references the fact that he existed before mm-hmm. he was born. Yeah. Um, thoughts on that, guys? How he, even in Scripture, talks about those two natures, mm-hmm. right? Um, what's your thoughts on that, Elijah?
1: Yeah, like, <clears throat> you know... The word was God and he was there in the beginning. And I just think to me that just shows his love for us that he, you know, because he destroyed the world once by water and, you know, because of the wickedness and sinfulness. But after that, he came down to like, I just, I don't know, in my mind, he came down to experience like what it was like to be human and to like feel that. And to feel that he had to have flesh and have our bodies. Yeah, and the limitations. Yeah, and and the limitations to it. And to understand our hearts and our minds when it comes to, like, temptation, just like he was tempted by Satan, Mm -hmm. and us not being also fully God and still having to endure that, I think that, to me, that's a, a big important part of it is so that he knew who we were, like, To the core And that's You know He chose to die for us After that You know Because He said You know Lord forgive them For they know not what they do He understood How limited we were In our understanding Of things And of eternity
2: So Yeah
0: yeah yeah. Adam what stands out to you About the incarnation Yeah
2: uh, It's It's kind of cool We're talking about it this week Moving into Christmas Moving into the birth of Jesus It's kind of tying that together and i was just thinking of um the christmas story in luke and i'll I'll read a a quick section of it in luke 1 31 to uh, 35 it says you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and will reign over jacob's descendants forever his kingdom will never end How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One uh, to be born will be called the Son of God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that lays it out pretty clearly, that it is not a natural conception of our King. It is (laughs) the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Bringing our Savior through Mary, it, it it's not a a natural thing. So, so the way He comes into this earth is a miracle, a pure miracle. So yeah. that's really cool to mm-hmm. um, look back at that and and relate that <laughs> relate the incarnation of Him being God and flesh to right. His birth. Right.
0: Yeah, and the Spirit, right, is what you know gave gave Mary the. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the child, yeah. right? We know that the Spirit came upon her. And that's what mm-hmm. allowed her to have the Immaculate Conception, right? That right. that part, you know, I just was listening to a YouTube uh, lecture and the guy who does the Bible project, he's like, yeah, brilliant. That's good. And he was talking about how, you know, in the Greek and Hebrew, it's Spirit is the breath mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. God, like the breath mm-hmm. is what it yeah. means. Pretty amazing thought. Um, so here's, here's something when it comes to the incarnation is so Elijah, you you mentioned this that there's a relatability to the fact that God was, you know, Jesus was fully God, but yet fully man. He he relates the idea that like, because he is changeable in his mm-hmm. in his nature when it comes to his um, being fully man, he had to grow and he had to evolve. So this is always something I always find interesting is Jesus as as a man had to grow. We we know this, and yeah. it says, um, uh, what does it say that at? Um, uh, I think it's in Luke where he says grew in wisdom and stature, yeah. uh, and, and mm-hmm. in favor with God and man. So he grew in wisdom. Okay, mm-hmm. so so this <laughs> is this is again my brain, right? So Jesus grew in wisdom. Yeah, he was fully God. So he and, and I'm like, yeah, because of course he was like a five year old, mm-hmm. he was like a six year old, and he was like a ten year old, and then he like yeah. hit puberty. Right? Like, yeah. I don't know why that this is crazy to me, but it yeah. is if you think, okay, God hit puberty. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy thought. Mm-hmm. So that type of thing, right? Where he was, he chose to be limited by what we are limited by, right? And here's a couple thoughts. One is just let's explore that, and I have a million qu- questions about that that I don't know if we'll know, right? Because mm-hmm. even in some of the greatest theologians, this is a little bit of a mystery. Is like how much was he fully God even as a child? Mm-hmm. You know, in the sense of he was fully God, but he was he had to like he depended on Mary for a, a sensible season of his childhood, and then he's like. So anyway, all that, just any thoughts that came to mind about God having to grow in in these things. This is the picture I get. Yeah. So
2: Jesus is born and Mary is there, you know, comforting him, being being a mother to him. He could just stand up and walk away. <laughs> it's like this little infant baby. Okay, so that this guy, is where I don't know. You know I don't know though, like, right? So, he, so he, babies he can't God. walk, right?
0: Yeah. See, this is the thing, though. This, I think, this but is. But he's a also really... fully
2: man. So, like, can he? You're well, saying? he's fully
0: God. He's not. See, but fully man in the sense of he, his, like he's he's changeable. So, like, right. no, he couldn't walk because he was a baby. But then he's God, so it's okay. So, can yes. can he? <laughs> so, so this <laughs> yeah. is this is where it's like, no, no, Jesus wasn't like. I don't think Jesus was like masking himself. Right. He was right. fully. Yeah. This is the thing that's that we have to wrestle with. Um, how he can be fully both is obviously his divine nature. That's a mystery. But the idea of no fully, man, we can understand there's... Lim- so did he only have a certain amount of brain capacity? Because human mm. beings don't use 100% of their brains.
2: Mm. It's confusing, man.
0: Right? And so yeah. that's a, an interesting thought, that Jesus was fully God, but yet he willingly, by the way, because to your point, yes, yeah, yeah. he willingly had to think like we think mm-hmm. in a sense of forget things mm-hmm. you get what i'm saying yeah, like because yeah. that's all that's all flesh that's not like sin mm-hmm. there are things that are just flesh like sunburn right so let's go let's let's die. this is just fascinating yeah, because yeah. it's true and I, and i don't think it devalues jesus i don't think it it, it does and it shouldn't I think it actually should increase our love for him yes. and, and our compassion for him because he knows us yep. intimately. He knows what it's like to be a human. Yeah. But in that, yeah, there's a fascinating I think I think about the fully
1: there. God part is like that is who he is. Yes. He is God. Right. The fully man part is like that is who he chose, he chose to came yes. and chose interact be, yes. with us as. Yeah. You know, That didn't change the part that who he is is God. Mm-hmm. He just came as a man.
2: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that, that's that's how <laughs> my mind like wraps that up. Yeah, must have been, been pretty crazy way of saying yeah. it. Must have been pretty crazy from <clears throat> Mary's perspective of like once he started to get a bit older, mm-hmm. like <laughs> him just kind of disi- disappearing as like a, a twelve year old, and him coming back and Mary being like, "Where were you?" He's like, oh, "I was at the temple praying." <laughs> yeah, <it's> like <laughs> I was in my father's house. And yeah, you know, yeah, that's where I would be. <laughs> right. I wonder how many more moments of,
1: like, that it was with Mary where she was like, okay, I'm forgetting who this is, you know? It's like, gosh, that must have been a very beautiful but, like, strange Strange. dynamic between those two, you know?
0: Yeah. My mind is going crazy (laughs) (laughs) with just questions (laughs) and thoughts. Um, So what what about that? Because this is is the thing that makes Christianity (coughs) so unique. Because it's hard for people to think that God would ever, ever humble himself to become a man. Yeah. And they wrestle with it because they think it devalues God Mm. to become a man. But I think the point of this conversation that we're trying to get after is, no, it actually makes him more loving mm-hmm. and yes. more when he says you are forgiven he knows not only the, the consequences of sin but like the weight of battling it mm-hmm. so he was incapable of sinning but he was tempted mm-hmm. and like he suffered see this is the this is the thing though is if he wasn't fully man suffering wouldn't make any sense okay well god doesn't suffer so he didn't really su- right like no like he had to so you have to give him the limitations of the flesh. Cause yes, he had like, he experienced what pain feels like, not what pain feels like in a fake. Like he wasn't like a shell, like a zombie, mm-hmm. you know, like it was fully flesh. Um, and in all of that, like there's, there's a mystery to that, but there's also such a beauty. And I guess that's where I'm getting at. Um, we can't fully explain this, but there's a wonderful connection to us that comes from this. That as I pray to, to my Father in heaven, He knows. And that, to me, is so comforting. And so, like, when I suffer, God isn't a God who created the world and and knows of suffering but has never suffered. He suffered. Yeah. S- so how does that bring comfort to you guys, the, the reality of the Incarnation, even though there's still a little bit of a mystery there? How does that bring comfort to you?
1: Yeah whenever I, I hear you know he won't put more on you than you can bear yeah to me the only way he would know that is if he experienced how much a person can yeah. bear you know yeah yeah so it's like a
2: reference yeah yeah i think of the whole gospel message is not one that people were expecting it was their whole view flipped on its head of Jesus not coming as a powerful military leader but defeating evil with the power of love and graciousness and kindness and humility, coming as a king but in the worst state and his enthronement not being... Exalted high on a throne, but exalted high on a cross, wearing a crown of of yeah. thorns, not not a gold crown, yeah. so his humility in coming to us like that is <laughs> what makes him so beautiful and attractive
0: yeah when it, and when it says in scripture that he's our advocate to the Father, that takes on a whole new weight too, right mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. he's advocating on our behalf he's saying no i've I've lived this in this world and i know the pain and hurt right like he's he's able to represent us in a way that's so rich mm-hmm. and beautiful and um you know that there's to me like there's a couple things that i have to like wrestle with when it comes to god being fully man that's like a little bit it, it toes a line right i think in in christians especially where you don't want to make God, we talked about this earlier in the podcast, like a homeboy. You don't want to mm-hmm. devalue, because he represents fully God to us, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? And So you don't want to make him mm-hmm. to the point where he's just a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you guys kind of play that line of saying, like, if you go too far with God fully God, I mean, Jesus being fully man, do you potentially lose the reverence? You know? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's helpful that, to wrestle with those things. Uh, and I guess I, I bring back the the Chosen mm-hmm. series, and then we talked about this way earlier in our series, when we talked about his nature, because they're, they're doing that in that series very, like, cautiously, mm-hmm. where they're wanting to show the humanity of, of Jesus in the show. But Christians tend to be very sensitive about that, because mm-hmm. they think it will devalue, you know, him being God. So um, that's where there is a little bit of a thin line, because... You don't want to make Jesus out to be just a prophet or a teacher, because He isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, So what do you guys, what would you say to somebody who who would maybe um, be in a faith where they would say, you know, I don't believe Jesus was God? Um, What would be the answer to that question to them? Why would you say, no, He is God, and this is why we know He is God, based on what we know of Scripture and based on just um, how He articulated those things, because... I think that's really a kind of an important conversation, and really is so foundational to Adam. To your point, why we even celebrate Christmas? Because mm-hmm. if it was just a baby born, why would we celebrate that? But if it was God in flesh, well, that changes. It. How would you articulate that to somebody who says, "I believe Jesus was a prophet, a good teacher, but not God"? What would you, what would you say in defense with this theology being true?
1: I would hope I would, like, have, like, a moment of, like, time with this with this person and kind of show them, you know, in Scripture, the prophecies and the fulfillments of, you know, what God's Word says and bringing him. And that there are actual historical accounts of Jesus being on this earth and the things that he did and the things that happened while he was here. Yeah. That that are only prophesied in the Bible, so them becoming true means like you know just proves the whole Bible to be true, and the Bible tells us that he is God, and so it it all points back to him and and being there, yeah, so yeah, it
2: kind of points back to their view and reverence that they hold the Bible to, mm-hmm. Do they believe that the Bible is the living Word of God and is true without error?
0: yeah, and let's let's shift a little bit uh, to end this conversation with all that being true. one should should really also make an argument that the purpose of his incarnation was not to to taste food and to feel sorrow, even though that was part of it. It was obviously, to be our Savior, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the purpose of why he came, yes. was to save the law. So first, it was necessary for him to be born under the law. So he was born under the law, right, because he needed to fulfill um, God's law. Um, so he came in flesh under the law to basically fulfill the law on our behalf. That's the primary reason why Jesus came. It wasn't just to identify with us. It was to save us. Um Second, I'm just going to go a couple of things that we know in Scripture. It was necessary for Jesus to shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins, right? We know that. And so that blood sacrifice, of course, requires a body. Um, And then lastly, one of the things is God did an incredible work of sending his son so that we could obviously be restored back. And so if Christ came and didn't really die, right? Like if he just came as a man, lived this earth and then just left. Like for example, if Jesus did the same thing after his death, but he just did it before, um then it would would that really save us? Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. he needed to come and he needed to die. Well, flesh needs to die, mm-hmm. right? And so the cross would be meaningless if Jesus didn't really die. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If he was if he was just God and he wasn't flesh with well, it, he didn't really die. Mm-hmm. So this is where I wanted to stay a little bit of saying, okay. So the incarnation is one where Jesus needed to become flesh to conquer the law and to die on the cross. And so that's why you couldn't just come in spirit. You needed to physically die. Mm -hmm. And so this is where, and and this is going to be a little bit hard, but let's talk a little bit about this reality of like, okay, when Jesus died on the cross, what died and what didn't die? Does that make sense? And, and, you know, there's so many different, I would say, false theologies about what happens after he died, what happened in those three days. Mm. But, the importance of Jesus dying, that blood sacrifice. Let's just live there a little bit. Any thoughts on that when it comes to why Jesus needed to come? And
1: so correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the moment he died, the veil was torn yeah. in the temple, right? Yeah. The veil that covered the entrance to where you know God's presence was supposed to be, right? And that... Like, when I think about that, it's kind of like, okay, no longer do you have to go through all these different rituals and steps to get to, you're getting to the Father through me now. Like, my sacrifice is allowing you to have direct access now. Mm -hmm. There's no, because when I read the Old Testament, I read about the temples and stuff, it was very, like, strategic and, it was very strategic and, like, you know, there was a lot of rituals and tradition in it. You know, even the fact that they were tying ropes around the priest's waist when they were walking in just in case they touched something while he was in there and he died and they had to pull him out. But when Jesus died, he took that, like, separation from the Father away from us yeah, and kind of really. through him,
2: like, we can go. Right. directly right. to the father because he was that perfect yeah, exactly sacrifice. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like and it, and and before it was all the just yeah. mm-hmm. the clean lambs or or the lambs that were the perfect of the group and mm-hmm. they would sacrifice those but they weren't worthy enough to mm-hmm. be our ultimate sacrifice cuz they weren't perfect yeah. but Jesus was perfect so he yeah. was able to be that ultimate sacrifice yeah. yes. and yeah.
1: Jesus being you know we talked about this when we talked to trinity three persons one God yeah. he's like him coming as as a man and doing that is the only person that can grant us access to him Stuff yes. like that yes. so there was no there was going to be no other way for anybody to be like okay now you can go to the father without having to do this like he had to do that himself mm-hmm. and he had to make a, the ultimate sacrifice to do that yeah. so that's good
0: yeah, and I think that, to your guys' point, with the Old Testament sacrificial system, that's that's really key, right? What did they do? They sacrificed flesh, mm-hmm. right? They killed the animal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the incarnation was necessary because flesh and blood needed to be sacrificed, and mm-hmm. so and that's, that's a huge thing, right? So, yes, I think in the earlier conversation, why is the incarnation amazing and necessary? Well... It's not necessary that God would identify with human experience, though that's amazing thing and ultimately should shape how we relate to God. But it was necessary for him to die because we are sinful and we needed that reconciliation, which only Jesus. And I would say that's what makes Jesus ultimately different, is God saw the sin of the world and he actively pursued the solution in himself. He didn't just see the sin of the world and say, you need to— be sinless. He said, no, I need to rescue you. That's why the gospel is God's pursuit of us, where all other religion is our attempt to know God. It's under the gospel is God coming down and doing only that he can do, which I think is so, so powerful. So guys, with that being said, let's just spend a little bit, a couple minutes here. We're wrapping up our doctrine series as a church, and uh, we've basically went through all the key doctrines yeah, it's been good of the church. It's been so yeah, good, been really and good. I've been really enjoying having a conversation with you guys and growing in our faith together. But let's just take a few minutes here and just give a little bit of a big picture of what what would we say coming out of all these weeks of conversations. What would we say is the big takeaway from this doctrine series? Just what has the Lord really taught you, or you know, has has shaped you in just yeah. with all these conversations, and so. Adam, I'll, I'll let you go first. What What's your kind of final thoughts with this?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's been a, a ton of really good depth to each of these topics, but the three things that kind of enclose it all together is the Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. Jesus came and died for us and he's coming back mm. he's coming back for that ultimate battle and he's gonna win and defeat sin and death ultimately so so those are the kind of three big pictures yeah. that um come together out of all of this that we need to be relying on leaning into trusting him with and and knowing that he's good and cares for us
0: awesome mm-hmm. Elijah where where's your final thoughts on the doctrines series?
1: yeah I've learned a lot through this series and um I guess if I had to put points on it, it would be, you know, learning, getting a better understanding of who God is to uh, who he is and who he is to me, you know, and how he operates in my life. And then discernment when it comes to uh, theology and teachings of, you know, I feel like I've learned how to uh, not just research, but to, like, pray and ask God and, like, look at the Bible and not just accept what I'm being told and how to go back and, like, check things to his word. And then um, third would be I feel like a lot of the things I've learned, I'm still chewing on. Like it like this whole series has been a lot of meat. Yeah. Like it's been a lot of it's meat. Lot of meat. <laughs> yeah. it is is a lot. But some I, vegetables. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of milk. A lot of meat. But it's like I feel like I can really like put my toes like on the foundation of yeah. it now and be grounded yeah. and like confident in a lot of the things that yeah. you know I knew but maybe didn't know how to articulate or didn't know the background of. Right. So
0: yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a great goal. I, I think at the at the heart of this series, when we put it together, was the question of do we have the right view of God. Mm-hmm. Um, Tozer says in his book I mentioned to you Elijah earlier, um, knowledge of God. He says your view of God is is the most important thing, mm-hmm. and if it's a proper view, it's gonna mm-hmm. to your point, Elijah, lay the foundation for everything else. And that was our goal, is to look around and say, you know, even the past year and a half, two years, just a division in the Church. It's like, do we know what we believe? And are we anchored in that? Because at the end of the day, that's this, these conversations and these realities and these truths that were revealed to us by God is the anchor to in, and the foundation in which we see everything else. And so though we go into Old Testament stories and New Testament stories and we talk a lot about stories and we apply those stories to our lives, the why... <laughs> the why we study the Word, the why we gather, why we pray, why we worship is this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's it's because of God, who He is. He's worthy. So that's my heart, and that's really, I think for me, the biggest takeaway for me is just I need to live in this world until I'm with the Lord. I need to live in these conversations. I need to have a posture of saying there's more of God that I can know and find and grow in. And anytime we have these open conversations too, I feel like, I learn more about God, and He reveals more about Himself to us, and mm-hmm. that's really the treasure that we're all chasing after for for this series, and hopefully, you know, for for series to come. So, guys, it's Christmas week, so we're gonna we're gonna anticipate that and plan for that, and we're excited to gather with you guys yeah. this Christmas Eve. Uh, we have two service times: one on Thursday for those that are heading out of ta- town. Uh, at 6.30, and then we have two on Christmas Eve night, 5 and 6.30. So we hope you join us. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't come to our church, we want to invite you to come out and meet us. And Elijah's way cooler in person, and so you'll get to meet him, (laughs) and uh, you'll be able to spend time with us. But thank you guys for joining us, especially all those that call Calvary home. Hopefully this has been a blessing to you, and we hope to do more of this, and so stay tuned. Guys, you want to say your final goodbye to all of our listeners?
1: Yeah, man, it was fun. Yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, yeah. so Hope we just want to thank
0: our moms for listening to this. Yeah, And Love you, uh, <laughs> mom. Thanks, <dead. laughs> mom. And uh, yeah, and so we uh, we're gonna say farewell to our doctrine series, and we'll, we'll we'll talk to you guys again.
2: Bye, guys. Bye.